Hi, welcome to A Couple of Thought Podcast. We are your hosts, Chaya and... Ali Melech. Avers. Oh, God. Are we Avers or Evers? Or Avers. Depends where we live. Together, we will be discussing our passions for food, politics, Judaism, and marriage. Yeah, exciting. So, join us for our podcast and you will be blown away by our couple of thoughts. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our second episode of A Couple Thoughts Podcast. We are your hosts, Ellie Melech and Chaya Avers, Halberstam. And um, we are really thrilled and feel very honored with all the awesome feedback that we received um, after our first initial podcast. And it encouraged us to keep on going and start our second one. So here we are. It's the end of the summer vacation and we've had a busy summer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. We actually took the mic with us to Paris to see if we could... um, podcast on podcast over there but it didn't didn't happen so we're here back home from all the different um travels that we were throughout belgium france the us of a mm-hmm. we were everywhere almost yeah so um this summer we decided to send the boys to sleepaway camp in new in america in new york so at the beginning of the summer vacation, I flew with the boys to New York and um, put them on a bus for some other people to take care of them, which was harder than I thought. Um, then we it came, missed them. We did. We missed them terribly. Then I went back to Holland and we... Took a vacation of a little bit more over a week. We yeah, started we with a wedding in Antwerp and we continued our way to Paris to a little town between Paris and Lyon, which I forgot the name of. Oh, we traveled all the way down um, the, the, yeah. All the way to the Alps. We stopped off in Lyon. We were in Val What's that little city called? Oh, where we, we stopped, stopped in this really cute village on the way, um, Avalon. Avalon, yeah, with all the, um, we saw a lot of sunflowers on the way, a lot of beautiful fields of sunflowers. We yeah. even stopped. <laughs> take pictures yeah i mean it felt like i fell inside a van gogh painting i mean now i understand why he painted so many um sunflowers because he did a lot of his painting in in france though i did read while we were traveling every time we passed something that we didn't know about we googled it so we learned a lot of, along the way and apparently he was very fascinated by the idea that just the color yellow could have so many different shades and that's why he was so obsessed with painting the sunflower but i'm sure it was inspired by the french countryside which yeah. we deeply enjoyed on our yeah. way down traveling it's very very france. pretty and, and we also enjoyed um the higher parts of france the alps very we were at a very high altitude and on sunday we even went higher went for a walk that was really really pretty we i wouldn't call snow. it a, hi- a walk i would call it more a hike a hike a hike um but it was very at very high altitude. It was very nice. Very fresh water. We didn't need to bring water on our hike. We just drank from the springs. Mm-hmm. And we even saw some snow in the middle of August. 
which was really cool. Yeah. And then um, we traveled back from uh, Walter and uh, we drove at once to Paris. We met some friends. Yeah. Were nice. Uh, we also traveled with friends, so that was really yes, wonderful. That was very nice. And then we met some more friends, Dutch friends in Paris. Paris. And then we continued at once to Amsterdam, where I was in Holland for one day and then flew to New York to pick up the boys, actually, which was very nice. Meet a lot of family again. And the boys are very happy to see us, thank God. Yeah, they were happy to come home, which is a good sign. Yeah. But they did have a fabulous summer in summer camp and yeah. made a lot of friends and had great experiences. And they haven't stopped talking since about their amazing experience and about the mean counselors and the amazing food or the terrible food and yeah. all the fun activities and trips they did. They really, really had a lot of uh, good time and amazing experience. I'm happy we're able to do it. Yeah, really thankful for that yeah. opportunity to give them, to be able to give them that opportunity um so we always like to start off our podcast after all the initial blabbing to talk about first and foremost food (laughs) and um well there's a few things in our travels we ate in many different places and experienced many different foods and we wanted to maybe just talk a little bit about kosher food in the areas where we went um and Melech... Be food critics. Yeah, hmm. could totally. And Melech also will share the recipe of how to make those sweet potato bits because we got a lot of feedback from a many people who said, we want to know how to make those sweet potato bits. So we thought... Here we're we gonna, go. Yeah, so we're we start with that, then we'll do some reviews of the restaurants that we have encountered in the last uh, four or five weeks. I don't know. I feel like a bowl of dough. <laughs> I ate so much bread in France. Oh, yeah. But, um, Amazing. So anyways, the uh, what I do with the sweet potatoes, I cut them in uh, small cubes. Like uh, crouton size. Like crouton really size small. or slightly bigger because they do um, get smaller in the oven. I put a lot of spices because I like spicy food. So I like spicy sweet potatoes. Like salt, pepper, garlic. The basics, obviously. Paprika. Yeah. And then I put some cayenne pepper on it and then olive oil and i pop them in the oven that's basically it. and then you watch them go from regular sweet potatoes to amazing sweet potatoes and i add them to everything I add them to salad I add them to um a supper as a side dish i i really really much enjoy them and the problem is that they get finished too often and everybody nibs on them everyone especially adina yeah. who loves sweet potato but um just one detail for people who need a little bit more um details on how to cook or bake things yeah. um, so what google you, it <laughs> no <laughs> but actually what i like to do is put it in a bowl so that way i can toss the olive oil evenly so they're all coated and the spices too and put it on a baking tray that's covered Sheet. with uh, yeah with that's covered with parchment paper and spread out flat evenly and put it in yeah. the oven which is on usually 180 degrees to 200 but if Celsius. it's on yeah but if it's on 200 then it will burn easy you have to be checking yeah, on it better more to do it lower, so if you bit. do it on 180 you know give it your time check on it every 10 to 15 minutes and as soon as it's crispy on the edges you know your bits are ready for Yummies. consumption exactly so that's the details on the sweet potato bits you can add them to your salads like malach said to just anything they're really good and really tasty and let's be food critics now about the restaurants we met you, you Should go we first. start with Antwerp? Oh, no. We don't Antwerp, really like the food no. in Antwerp. Sorry, and We Antwerp. like the food, but there's no restaurants, really. Well, there are, but they were all closed or 
Yeah, we didn't. We had much time in Antwerp. Yeah, so we didn't really eat in Antwerp, and um, there's not that many places that we like there. But there's oh, we like yeah. artichoke and confetti. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. But uh, um, Paris, Paris, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then the best thing over there are the big goods. The restaurants that we were there, a lot of them were closed. The good ones, so we because didn't really have um, much good experience with that. The shine was okay. The Chinese food, we went there yeah, twice. Yeah, it's because good that was... for European standards. The Chinese restaurant Oops. Le Shine. Um, yeah. Is that a not nice thing to say? But if you've been <laughs> to okay. Israel or America, there they, you find really good um, kosher Chinese. But it definitely was um, welcome food on a very hungry night after spending all day twice. in um, <laughs> Disneyland. So um, I think we were very, very pleased to eat there. And mm-hmm. so were the, the kids. But the bakery goods, the the boulangerie, Patisserie. and the pâtisserie, <laughs> those were breathtaking and very yeah, yum. Very delicious. Um, we, of course, always head first to Rue de Rosier just to get the feeling of the old Jewish ghetto, mm-hmm. quarter ghetto, both, yeah. I'm not sure. And the falafel. Yeah, we go for some snacks. So we have falafel, but we don't. We just buy the falafel balls and trina and we dip it and we enjoy it. And then we went to the bakery over there and just the kids got some soft serve ice cream. And then we went to Damiel, which is like the chocolate air, kosher chocolate store. It serves cookies, no? And they also sell macaroons. macaroons. So we bought a box of 12 different flavors and the kids... Um, they did not last long. We tasted <laughs> each one. We all cut them in pieces and we were like... Um, there was the lemon and there was um, raspberry, which I, I think my favorite was the, the vanilla. vanilla. It was sure, hands down. absolutely delicious. Um, yeah. The lemon one was not too bad, too. No, no, I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's basically Paris. Yeah, in a nutshell. And we, we passed the Arc de Triomphe. We went to eat at a restaurant there, which we will not name it. Because it was... We will not name and shame. No, but it was not what we wanted it to be. It was not what the review said online. It was not what the review said online. It was um, very underwhelming, as you would say. But we Very ate. overly expensive. <laughs> um, uh, all in all, a, a very big disappointment mm-hmm. um, in every sense. But... Um, Let's move to New York because there they had good restaurants. We actually... I went out with... My brothers, on Thursday, we went to Abe's Corner, which is like a sports bar slash good food. Kosher sports bar. Kosher sports bar. And it was really nice. And we had a lot of good food. And like, we like basically, give me an example of what you ate there. I know. I it wasn't, wasn't even so special, like the things that they had. Mm-hmm. But it was they actually they had a waffle burger, which that was not my favorite. But actually, my brother really liked it. It's a waffle and they have a burger on the top like a crispy crispy waffle waffle, like a belgian waffle with the burger but i don't like the sweet and the savory Mm, like maple syrup style yeah Ooh. it was it was i got the point but i didn't like it but they also had what you tasted it i tasted it yeah but that was not but (laughs) it's like sweet food basically and they also had um the chicken poppers they call them and there's like good sauce spicy I ate most of those. Yeah. So like good <laughs> yeah, really good. snacks and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like when you're watching sports games and stuff like that. That kind of food. But it's really good. And nice atmosphere and like a nice nice place. Kosher Sports Bar. I, I've i never been. Yeah. I guess it's new. It's new. A new place and it's really nice. A nice wow. atmosphere. A nice. And they actually gave us free drinks. That's nice. We all, yeah, that was nice. 
Like, well, uh, well, I have to share that when I was in New York earlier at the beginning of the summer vacation, I ate at Doma Land and Sea, and that was probably the most delicious food I've ever that's eaten. That's like in five towns, no? Yeah, in my life. And I have to say, it was very, very delicious prices, but <laughs> worth it because I experienced such delicious food, um, roasted vegetables and delicious sauces and... Um, good burgers and I don't know whatever we ordered um tacos it just was all delicious so shout out to them and I don't know if anyone in Amsterdam is listening and thinking of opening a restaurant like go to places see how they make good food and don't go mediocre like have a good restaurant here it's not so hard to make good food my hands are itching I was speaking to the kids about it today about opening up a restaurant in Amsterdam And then I said, it's like a dream of mine. So my kids are like, so why don't you do it? So why don't you do it? So I said, some dreams turn into nightmares before you know it. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know if that's actually yeah. ever going to happen because I've spoken to many people who said that owning a restaurant is like hell. But um, who knows? Maybe yeah, one day. One day when we're like older and we, we, we have more time. Yeah. But um, we've been spending like now like more than 10 minutes talking about food. I don't know <laughs> if we should be concerned about that. But yeah. um, just one more thing I wanted to give a shout out is that when we were in France, we found um, we, we were in the 19th district and there's a lot of kosher grocery stores and bakeries. So we went to a few and one of the most of them, the the bakery goods were parv. And then I saw one bakery. It said biologique, like it was organic. But we went inside and everything was dairy and our kashrut, chalav Israel, and OMG, that was mm. one of the most delicious patisserie that I ever ate in my entire life. Dairy um, croissants, like butter croissants and um, baguettes, sourdough baguettes. What else sourdough do they have? Bread. Oh, we got these sourdough sticks with like cheese and olives twisted into them. Yum. I don't know. I just like... I ate so much of it and <laughs> and oh we also they had the chocolate um croissants pain au chocolat <laughs> oh mg I, i i can't it was and just also so they had good. these um strawberry tarts yeah little strawberry tarts with like slach bottom with and, whipped yeah. cream about the bottom like the crust the shell the tart shell mm. was like butter crumble in your mouth good angels stuff. dancing on your tongue wow mm. a lot of um metaphors but seriously they deserve good it stuff. and also the hotel we stayed in in the alps had very delicious dessert yes which we can talk about at another time yeah maybe in honor of mendel's Burmester, we'll talk yeah, about yeah who knows <laughs> when we bring those pastries from france but all this brings us to the next point <laughs> which is a discussion i think in every family and that's budgeting yeah because It Which, all... So we're going into marriage now. Yeah. You could call it considered marriage. Because we like to talk about the four things. Food, marriage, politics, and... Religion. Judaism. So we're up to marriage, I guess. Yeah, and that's the budgeting. It's it's so easy to spend, so hard to gain, get to the money. <laughs> and it just sometimes is uh, frustrating of however much you make. It's never enough. And like, I remember um, when I worked in david's corner and i was having an okay income which was able to cover my bills and i remember these two people standing and talking to each other they're having a coffee in in david's corner and they're saying yeah it's so difficult to have to live from paycheck to paycheck and i knew they were having a very 
a good, salary. good a good salary, good income. Both of them are working and they're both having good salary. And then I realized very much that uh, money is like a trunk. However big your trunk is, the more stuff you'll take along. And the more money you have, the more you'll spend, the more you spend. And I really realized that. And sometimes it brings some stress. You know what I'm saying? Like the more, the more you make, the more you, you spend. But, you know, I'm just glad that we we are able to do the things that we were we did this summer and yeah with the discussions that we had about the, the trying to budget. budget well i think you know it's funny but it's a very jewish thing not to talk about money like not to talk about how much money, money plus dutch because it's yeah, also yeah. A like dutch not thing. to talk how much money you make which i think okay that makes sense but also not to talk about if you don't have money and I think that's something that we could all improve in, I think, in our communities is not to have so much shame in connection to not being able to afford things. Because, you know, one of the things I always say that no one ever prepared me for marriage is because, you know, growing things up... things cost money. No, I mean, we always had what we needed. I never never worried that I didn't have what I needed, Baruch Hashem. And then you get married and you become an independent person and we were both working and no one prepared me for those days where like you are empty on money and you don't want to go to your parents or your friends and be like, oh, could we borrow money? Because you're like, okay, we'll wait oh, a few unfortunately, days. There and were I- times that we had to, that we didn't have a choice. I remember being one time uh, stuck at like a train station and the money was already minus a thousand like in the red. And I had to call my brother and say, hey, yo, listen, can you transfer me some money so I can go home? Yeah. So those, those times, happen. yeah, those times were there and it, it was not fun no and yeah it w- there was some embarrassment it was embarrassing to do that but i think everybody at, at some stage goes through these things yeah experiences a point where you're not poor just broke i like to yeah. we, i remember we read a story in high school and it's called not poor just broke and you know poor is like when there's no end to whichever status you are and broke is like the money's finished now a little bit more will come soon and we had a lot of times where 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 that um was the situation mm-hmm. but i think one of the things that i wasn't as easygoing about it as you were because i think you're just a more positive person and also like very much strong faith so you would always say like no don't worry hashem will help it will be okay and i was like Um, But I think it's so important to talk about this because I think one of the biggest things that come between a couple in marriage is money. A lot of times. And about spending. For example, I have horrible spending habits. Like, I unfortunately, like, do not check the bank before before I go on big... um, Splurges. Splurges. (laughs) I I don't say splurges. I buy what I need and a little bit extra. Um, I have a very generous hand. Um, (laughs) But but I think, you know... it's something that I'm learning all the time how to balance <laughs> sometimes more than others. But um, I think that money is something that always that I think is a big trigger in a marriage and could really make or break sometimes for some people a marriage. And I for sure could say that being broke is really not fun. No. Um, it's stressful and it's hard and it's sometimes embarrassing but that's what i that's what i want to say is that we should take away that stigma because we're just human beings we're not made of stone we're trying our best to to you know support our families um husbands wives whoever's working um sometimes only the husband works sometimes both work in our case i think we both always worked and at the end of the day 
Hashem is the one who decides our parnasa and how much money we should be making, and we need to make ourselves the vessel. And I've seen that over and over and over again in business that so many times you think, oh no, this fell through, how am I going to pay you know, next month or this and that? And then you just have a deal come from a total different angle. Where you never expected it to come from. Exactly, and yeah. it's like... No, and I, I just see it over and over again that, you know, Hashem really shows us the way. And sometimes we just need a little reminder that it comes from Hashem in order to continue afterwards. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, when we had the, our story that happened, which we'll talk about in another podcast, like mm-hmm. it's almost like eight years ago, nine years ago, 2013, 14, something, yeah. whatever. And you didn't have a job because of a very horrible work situation that happened to you. And you were home for two or three months really trying to scramble and figure out what you'll do next, which was really, you know, and our family really came through for us and really helped us out and mm-hmm. um, which was really wonderful that they were there for us and I'll never forget how good they were to us and we managed. Um, and then you went and you took a job in David's Corner and like not that it's it's a very respectful job. You were filling shelves and you were selling things and meeting people. But for me, you know, coming from New York and I thought oh, my husband's working in a store. I mean, he was running a company and he was, you know, managing things. And I was for, a director of a company when I was 29. And from there, I went to, to work in a store. stocking shelves in a mm-hmm. store. And I remember speaking to my mother and I thought, I said, oh, I can't believe that, that he has to do that. And she said, are you kidding me? Which is really so wise of my mother. And she was so true, so right. And she said, are you kidding me? Your husband is the most responsible and respectable person. Instead of sitting home and wasting time and feeling sorry for himself, he's doing what he can to support his family, and you should be proud of him. And she was right. And I am proud of you. I still am proud of you. And I also, I, you know what? I was working with you when you were running that company. And to be honest, doing bookkeeping, even though I was doing it, so not my thing. <laughs> I found the most wonderful, wonderful place to work. I remember I was looking for a school that worked with them. Um, children with autism, um, doing floor time therapy, which was something I was training in. And I found one school in Amsterdam. It's the only school in the Netherlands that practices this therapy, that um, like ideology also of working with um, autistic children. And I told you, I'm going to work in this school. It wasn't even a question. And I sent them an email and I tried to call and I couldn't get through. You didn't hear from and I didn't hear from them for like four months. And I was desperate to, to get a job because I really wanted to work and get out of the house and help you know with the with the bills that were with the broke yeah with the broke situation and then one day like i got a phone call they're like can you come in and i came and it was like all right i work there now stichting ark and i worked there for a few years and it was one of the most beautiful places i ever worked in and i'm so thankful to ark for being there um besides for you know it was a good job it was just such a warm and loving place to work and it really showed me also like you said Hashem is in charge. He directs us. He shows us where we need to be. And the only thing I regret is that in the hard times, I didn't have an, as much faith as you did. I didn't... Um, well, now you can have the faith in the good times too. Yeah. Baruch Hashem. Anyway, so um, thank God. That's what Baruch Hashem means. Um, now, the next thing I wanted to say, which is a combination of religion and marriage. One second, before we skip to the next topic, I really wanted to... To close this, because we started off that Jewish people, we don't talk about money problems. Mm-hmm. We're very ashamed about it. So I want to say, if anyone is listening and you're struggling, know that if you see me, 
you can talk to me about your struggles about this because I will not judge you. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Hashem decides your lot. If you're not rich with money, you're rich with other things maybe. Mm-hmm. And everyone has things in life that are hard or um, difficult and things that are easy. And we're all in this together. We all have to help each other out yeah. and be supportive of each other and look out for each other. So yeah. I got your back, peoples. <laughs> we right? got your back. We've got your back. So this, this week's Torah portion talks, in the beginning it starts with when you go to war and you find a, a pretty woman that you're allowed to take her home and you're allowed to marry her and you're not allowed to, whatever, there's all these rules about what's allowed and what's not allowed and what you have to do to in order to be stay married to her. Okay, one second. Excuse me? Yeah, that's true. Okay, in this week's Torah portion, Parshas Kisavo? The, the past, what we this just... This past, Kitete. Yeah. Okay, so... You go to war, you see a beautiful woman, you're married. Yeah. And you can either violate And the woman, woman is also married. What? And the woman is also, also married. Okay. You can either violate her, like they do in Afghanistan, which we'll get to soon, because, you know, you're a prize of war. Or you have permission, according to the Torah, to what? Take her what? home. Steal her from her husband. And that's what it says. And take her home, and then it says in is the commentary... Is that what a concubine is called? Or con- I have no idea like th- that what word. that means. Yeah, I think so. A, 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 a woman prison, um, like present from the war, a concubine. Anyways, so then it says in commentary, the reason why the Torah allows it is because in in case a Torah would not allow it, then people do it anyways and then fall through with their evil inclination and do it anyways. So I've spoken to different people about it and actually want to challenge our audience to give us or actually me, ideas of why you think it makes sense, or at least for me personally, it's something that I find very hard in the Torah because in my opinion, it contradicts the whole idea of the Torah where you challenge yourself with your evil inclinations and say, hey, yo, I want to eat pork, but I don't. Or as you were saying tonight, I want to eat a steak fried in butter. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that would, about it. Yeah. that would taste very good, yes. Granted, but we the Torah doesn't say, okay, you know what? On Mondays after four, you're allowed to eat uh, steak with butter because otherwise your evil nature would take over and you would be eat allowed it to anyways. do it. No, but the no. Torah tells us do not milk, do not cook a cow in the milk of his mother. Exactly. And that's why we don't eat butter with steak. And that throughout the whole 20, 365 days, whether you're mm-hmm. at war or not. So what I'm saying is like however much I understand, yeah, we, we, we don't want to ask things from people and then they will fall through but there's also the point of torah that you have a good and bad in yourself and you have that fight and even when you go to war however much hard war is you should stay say no this woman is married i am married no which also brings in what's going on now in afghanistan which could add in the politics is like exactly this this situation where you know that the Taliban, what they come and do is they take women, they rape them, they torture them, they do horrible things to, to women who are married, they take them away from their husbands, they take war brides, all these horrible things. And then we have the Torah coming, which is a Torah of values and the Torah of morality, and is saying, listen, Jewish men, you're going to war, you see a beautiful woman, instead of um, raping her and violating her, you can take her home to be your wife. So... How, so you're trying to say how do we make sense of this interesting how, um, like according to Torah so you're saying permission yeah, from the Torah. morally I understand it's better to do it that way than what's happening now in very many places at war granted it's not uh, it's always better than to rape a woman but still oh better if God, no but I'm saying <laughs> if God says you have evil inclination fight against it 
then why suddenly does he give you a loophole here and say, okay, but in this case, I let you, uh, I let you have it. You know, I, I just well, don't I'm understand. I'm sure, it. like, there's some Hasidic teaching that will say that really it's yeah, a metaphor yeah, yeah. for the evil inclination. Yeah. That instead of like fighting it with a sword, it's not the real war. It's the war it that you have every you day. To, yeah. And basically, we love Hashem, so we should sing and dance. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Sorry, did I just get a little too far-fetched? No, it's no, okay. No, we love Hasidic teachings. That's part of like the basis of our. Yeah of our Judaism but um, sometimes like we think that like they use the same like explanation but that like More the nice. example of like everything is the that's bad is the Yetzirah and it's like a metaphor but nothing in Torah is only metaphors it's actually truth to it yeah, and there's so, some reasoning so we invite the audience if you have ever heard from any uh, nice source a reason for this let us know yeah what's the email address again um I we'll have to check, but I think it's a couple of thoughts podcast. 2008. 2008 or 08. We'll, we'll post it at somewhere. At gmail.com. Yeah, we, we obviously do not use that email address hmm. enough. Um, but we want you to answer back. At the end of this podcast, we anyways have our um, recorded ending, which yeah. will have our email address in it. Branded. And then you can respond to us, your words of wisdom on this very, very interesting question that Melech has been bothered by not only this year every but year. also last year and every year when he sits in show and he's like don't understand this well which makes me very proud that you care about women's rights also and also about the fact that there it undermines in my opinion the whole idea of conquering your soul and your conquering evil, your evil inclination and saying hey listen no it's not allowed and why suddenly here we get a pass. That's the question, basically. Okay. But uh, the, do you still want to speak about politics, about what's going on in Afghanistan? Because to me, it really like it bothers me so much that I don't really want to talk about it. Well, the only thing I could say is that, you know, growing up... And in, there's so many layers to it also. Yeah. I'm saying like, it's not so simple. Yeah, it's just really in, ten, in five minutes. But, um, you know, for more information, you can look, go to a local podcast of <laughs> Megan Kelly. Um <laughs> She always has to be mentioned at least once in our podcast. But I do have to say this. Um, growing up in New York, um, being a teenager in the time of 9-11, smelling the smoke, the ashes, really living the story of what happened and knowing that it, the, the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda together um, planned this horrible attack on the United States. And then, you know, the war in Afghanistan. It was something that I followed very closely. And, you know, for me, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda are the same, but apparently they're not. I always thought they were the same. I guess I didn't, like, really follow as much as I should have. But basically, the Taliban is like a tribal... Um, no, the Taliban is... Is, is a tribal kind of um, Sharia... Um, it's officially really, a political party. Yeah, party that they believe in, like, Muslim... Rule and the Sharia law. And the Sharia law. But they give permission they for allowed. other tribal um, groups to kind of get power in smaller mountains and villages in Afghanistan and to sometimes be Pakistan. And Al-Qaeda was one of these... Um, so when the Taliban was in power in Afghanistan, they kind of gave a free pass to, to Al-Qaeda to, Al to grow and to prosper their terrorist network. And, um, you know, America went there to fight a war and you know the the problem is i think that what we forget is that when we go to these countries it's not necessarily to bring democracy to that region you know that was we maybe can't. In the, we can't you know middle eastern 
culture. I don't necessarily think that democracy um, works, for them. works for them. Look at what happened in Iraq after Saddam Hussein. It didn't. It just doesn't work for them. Look at all those countries. Yeah, all these countries. And the purpose and the reason why America went into Afghanistan was because of Al-Qaeda and the terrorist attack that they did to America. And all of a sudden, after a few years, people forget, why are we there? No, we're not there to make a democracy. And... You know, we could go on and on about this. Like you said, there's so many layers. It was really to prevent such a thing to happen, to happen again. again. And with the situation that it is right now, it's very likely to happen again. But in other end, you have enough other countries like Pakistan and Iran where terrorism can grow and there's no problem. So just another country where... Yeah, but it's just a shame on all the fallen um, soldiers and lives and everything like that. But And the money. Yeah. One trillion dollars. Yeah. We were always supposed to leave Afghanistan. I just think that the way they might have left is a little bit um, not so responsible. But I also said this to Melech that to me, what's saying in the news about what's happening in Afghanistan is not necessarily what's happening there because I'm very careful to read between the lines. And when it says people are saying on the ground or it has been said, that, for me, is not proof that that's really what's happening. So I think it might be quieter than what they're claiming, but I don't know. It just It's not clear to me, So it, but it does bother me, and I also don't want people to die anymore in the world. It's just too sad. So that's my take on Afghanistan. And to, to finalize, yeah. Elo. The month of Elo is the month before Rosh Hashanah for our Jewish New Year. And it's always... For me personally, a little bit of like a strange time because in one hand you really want to dig deep and see where you went wrong this past year. But on the other hand, I also don't feel that I'm quote unquote a bad person, that I did a lot of bad this past year. You know, I'm always trying to do the right thing. So obviously, you know, small things here and there, you do things wrong. But then you have Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But I do like the aspect of where it's written that Melech Basadeh, that the king is in the field. Melech, you're Melech. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. But <laughs> Melech the is king... in the field, guys. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's standing there for you. <laughs> no, so the king is in the field in order to welcome us after Rosh Hashanah into his uh, palace. And whatever requests we have for the coming year, now is a time that we can, you know, meet the king not in his regular um, palace, which will be in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But he's coming out to the people. Coming out to the people and he's under us, with us. And we can request and like more on a personal King basis. Is in the field. Yeah, the song. <laughs> There's a song, but um, a really nice song actually. It's a rap song about the king is in the field. I yeah. forget his name, the singer, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. Because he, he, the words are beautiful, but. Um, so, but I think that struggle that you have is is very normal also for Roshana and Kippur in general. Also, like in on one hand, it's your father that's judging you, and on the other hand, you want to have a good year. <clears throat> so you have that challenge by Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur also. So I have that also a little bit by by Elul already. It starts. Right. Well, for me, the month of Elul, the beginning, like th- this is the last month of the Jewish year. We have 12 months. So at the beginning, I think, okay, Elul's here. Gosh, a whole year has passed. Where did that fly? Um, it also means that I'm starting work again because I'm a teacher. So yay. No. Yeah, and um, oh, Melech's going to get his shofar. Um, but what makes me really happy is this sense of renewal. I always feel a certain sense of positivity 
I know Hashem, whatever He's doing is going to be a good year. And if it doesn't feel so good at some times, it will get better. Um, this year, last year, we thought we're going to have an amazing year. We had such a hard year with COVID. It's going to be better this year. We went through really hard things, but I come out at the end of it feeling only thankfulness and gratitude. To, I think to on Hashem. a personal basis, like I'm saying, COVID was there, but for us personally, we didn't have a bad year. No, we didn't. It was just, it was a hard there were challenges for, for the world, for the children, being home and um, a, a sense of gratitude. And I say to all of you, Hashem is our father, Avinu Malkinu, our father, our king. He loves us. He's here for us. Come to shul, hear the chauffeur and... Pray for a good year. Pray for a good year and renew yourselves because we all have a chance to do that again. And with that, we're going to end with Melech blowing the shofar to usher us into the month of Elul. Go. That's it? Just one, two? That's it. All right. Thank you all for joining us today on A Couple, a couple of Thoughts Podcast. Yes. We are your hosts, Eli Melech and Chaya. Avers Halberstam. And if we don't do a podcast before Rosh Hashanah, we want to wish you all a Shana Tova, tova Umetuka, a sweet and healthy happy new year. New year. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed our couple of thoughts and join us again for our next episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything that we discussed today, you are welcome to email at us email us at a couple of thoughts 2008 at gmail.com and we wrote 2008 because that's the year that we got married so anyways yes join us again and peace out the cover song that we have playing in the background is Modani Kolboker from Omer Adam a song that we love to play for our family and just gives us drive and energy in our service um, to Hashem and our thankfulness for everything that we have in our lives. So we hope you enjoy that song as well.